0: Good welcome to the Shia tonight. Portions for Yisshlach. I would like to dedicate this to Shlucha Hanya Bas Brochot Vayolea. Needs to be la malam so She should be la malam dechatera. She should be able to return to her shliches, to look after her family, and uh, in good health. We'll go to the first question, which we have tonight. The Hemsuch to, in connection with Yudal Kislev. So, talking about a wedding. So, I was actually last week, I uh, officiated a wedding, and the Ksuba, so the name of the Chosn was Israel Aryaleib. And someone who prepared the Ksuba had written Arye, Aleph Reish Yud, with a stroke and then a hay. I wasn't so keen about that. And I'd like to share that with you. How do you, and also the Rebetzin's name, I did not see now the Rebetzin's ksuba. When you write a ksuba, do you, a name Chaya? Do you write for, um, with a hay or do you write ches yud with a stroke? So the lower quote you have on the screen is from a safer, series of eights forum, from Rabbi Yahu Bar Shalom, called Mishpat HaKsubba, and he writes, contemporary, I've met him several times, when you write a Ksubba, you should write the names in full, without any hyphens, nor any apostrophes, like Shalom should be written in full, Sivya should be written in full, and also not to put in a stroke, let's say the name Tovya, not to put in a stroke bef- between the Yud and the Hay, or Basya, etc. Or between the two Yuds of a name, let's say Isaac. One shouldn't be doing that. And basically, in Exuba, you write the names in full without any, you know, not relying on strokes and that kind of stuff, nor hyphenating. The more basic question here is: Is, does, we know that Yihaya, let's say, has got Hashem's name, Yud K. Certainly, it's a name of Tovio. So, the Yudke there is alluding to Hashem. And what about a name Yisrael? And so, we have in this week's parasha, that Aleph, the Aleph Lamed is relating to, uh, okay, Melachim Noshim, Michoel, Gavriel. Of course, the Aleph Lamed in those names is alluding to Hashem. So, if you had, in a script, Text and it has the name Michoel. Now, for some reason, you needed to erase it. Are you allowed to erase it? Are you allowed to erase the Alf Lamed with the name Michoel? Does it have a Kedusha? You've got seven names of Hashem which are not to be erased, like you'd k Adni, Alekhim, Shindaladur, etc. So, we're not allowed to erase Hashem's name even if it's to correct a text. But if it's a name which includes Hashem's name in it, does it have a Kedusha? So here you have another quote from another contemporary, say, for the upper quote on that on the screen, where he says that names of people which include Hashem's name, like Eliyahu, Israel, family names, even place names, names of Sforim, and certainly words which somehow incorporate the yurke or something like that, do not have Kedusha. And there's no halacha requirement to hyphenate them and you're allowed to discard these these texts which have this name you have to put it in the rubbish some are more careful about like yeshayahu and the aliyahu, to to finish off with a stroke so fair enough that when you are writing an regular document a letter etc you may the um, people are Mahada harder to write Yeshaya with the outer hair at the end, just with a stroke. But when it comes to when it comes to writing a ksuba we don't want to have any lack of clarity, so we'd write the name in full without any. We're there, we're just uh, our emphasis there. It should be clearly legible without any mistakes. Which actually brings to an interesting question: when people write uh, ksuba and they write the name t- et etc. You know, you have to be careful. You shouldn't give the impression that his name is uh, Abraham Sheichye, but you know, that Sheichye is part of his name. That sort of, can be a little bit confusing. Let's go on to the next question. This is actually I found very interesting. Someone contacts me and asks that he put up a mezuzah in a house or if soy, whatever, and he put the mezuzah with a diagonal, the other direction. So he asks, is it okay, is it not okay? So the background to this question is that, it says in the Gemara that mezuzah should not be put up like a bolt. But then what does it mean not like a bolt? And this is a Mehlukah's rashi and Tosfus, whether it means a horizontal bolt or a vertical bolt. And as a result, L'alocha, La which way should the mezuzah be placed? Vertically, or Vertically or horizontally? So the Shulchan as you can see here, are Paskins, that the Tzucholi is kufa. The mezuzah should be placed vertically. Orchol or Eurek mezuzahs are biased. It should be, the length of the mezuzah should parallel the length of the doorpost. The second point he makes is that the Shema should be the Soif Haglila, which means as you roll the mezuzah, so the it should be that the Shema should be, as soon as you open it, you'll see the Shema. So Shema is the, the last bit of the roll. In other words, the closest to the opening. So these are two points which are written in Shekhan Then we've got the Rashi writing, that's the Ramah, who says, yes, oimrim, there are those who follow the custom, that it's, well, there are those who disagree and they say the mezuzah should not be vertical, but it should be horizontal. And the Medaktikim make a point of putting the mezuzah at an angle, diagonally. That's indeed uh, advisable, and that's indeed the Minagrim So now, here's the question. We've, got, we've had two dinim. One is that the mezuzah should be, whether vertical or horizontal or diagonal, that's one issue. We had another halacha, that the mezuzah should be in a way that you should be able to read it uh, as soon as you read the Shema, as soon as you open it. Now, all very well. According to the opinion that the mezuzah is vertical, okay, that's straightforward. According to the opinion that the mezuzah should be horizontal, should it be that horizontal with Shema towards the inside, or should it be with the Shema towards the outside? I'm standing outside. If the idea is I should be able to open the mezuzah and right away start reading, so then it makes sense that as I'm standing, coming into the house, the mezuzah should be in a, in, in a position that I should be able to read it, and therefore Shema should be further away from myself. I should be able to read it. If the mezuzah was placed the other way around, that the Shema is closest to you, that means it's upside down. If you'd open the mezuzah, you'd have to start reading upside down. And therefore, according to the opinion which holds that the mezuzah should be horizontal, it means horizontal, and the Shema is towards the inside, and it's, it's in other words, in a position that you should be able to read it as you come into the house. Consequently, that's coming back now to the Minhag, of putting it diagonally. If you want to be yotza, that opinion, then, of course, the tilt should be forwards in the form that if it were totally um, um, horizontal, you'd be able to read it. Bediyeved, so this is from, you know, my one of my favourites for him, so he addresses this, and he says, if you put it the other way around, it's kosher, but it would be correct to reposition it without uh, without a brocha. Someone is asking, in a pidyon, going back to the previous question, how should you write your name with a if you have a name which is a uh, Yisroel or something, um, uh, I, I, I think there is a slight balance here. Names like Michoel and Gavriel, et cetera, people write normally, as far as I know. A, a name like, um, perhaps a name which two of you, I'm, I'm actually not sure, I'm not sure. I, I'm not whatever you've been doing till now obviously is, is good and just continue doing what you're doing till now okay leave that for another time okay let's move on as you, I mean, you mentioned a pad, a pigeon just coming back to that some people i heard that um, particular not to write baruch hashem on a pigeon because they're going to tear it up and put it I, I, again and i'm not sure whether that is a standard practice okay so here is Next is point three, question three, about kneeling at moidim. So, in the newly published Kitsa Shikhanaruch, there's no mention of any difference between the way we bow, kneel at Moidim to the other three bows. That's interesting, by the way, the Ramban talks about five bows in Shvanasara, because it's including when we go back by But the way it's in the Gemara. there's four times you bow, beginning at the end of the first bracha and beginning at the end of Moedon. That's bowing. Bowing means bending your back forwards. There's also another thing called kneeling, or perhaps there's another word for that, because I know kneeling, sometimes with things kneeling to the ground. Bending your knees. So here, this is from the Altarevitz Shukhanoruch, and you can see it's in Kofiut Gimel. When you say the word boruch, then you bend your knees, and and with the word you, you, you bow forward. However you translate that, that person, when they bend forward, their back, their, their spinal uh, links are visible in their back, obviously, if they're not wearing a shirt. So there is this idea of that in addition to bowing, there is also bending the knees. And there seems to be an association between the word boruch, which means bless, and berech, which means the word, is the Hebrew word for knee. Somehow there's an association here to bend your knees when it comes to the word baruch. This obviously leads to that by moidim, at the beginning of moedim, there's no word boruch there. Moedim no, there's no word boruch, then there's no point in in bending your knees. A good point, and uh, I believe that is indeed the, the Mice. So, this has been addressed in the Hiskashra's journal several times. And here, let's just read what we have on the screen. He, this is from shin Sadik, and he writes here that there's a savior called Mishnah Shasidim, who was a Talmud of Talmud al Rizal and No So, he writes in Ovois in the first bracha Yichra Gufoi and Yichra etc. But by Moedim he says Korea gufoy, he doesn't mention Korea and somehow he says that this seems to support that uh, there's a difference between Moedim and the other brachas and the, main, the bottom line is omur, baroish, as in Moedim Drabonon, we only do a bow forward and we don't we don't bend our knees and uh, that seems to be that the whole bending of the knees is based upon a Kabbalah idea that Berech and Boruch are related and therefore it doesn't belong it my I, I, my response to this question was. I I, I indeed for, for, for I'm, you know, I was also brought up this way, the only problem is that in the kitsch when we included Mina Chabad, we kept to where it's really documented to where if it's not, if I don't have a source for it just because that's one way I was brought up. Generally, we didn't include that kind of minig so. I might might change that but that's meanwhile that's the that was the policy was while working on the safe let's move on so here is a question that in this day and age where to try to uh, promote tolerance religious tolerance racial tolerance religious tolerance so there is an idea of of, of religious education of knowing other other faiths which is not something which you necessarily are so excited about. And on the other hand, there is definitely a positive aspect to this. And so the question comes up again and again about having non-Jewish children in a class, coming with a teacher, coming to a synagogue to learn more about Jewish faith, which in itself, I don't think is such a problem. Um, actually, I think it's a good thing, but what about opening up the sefer to open up the Oran Kodesh and opening up a sefer Torah to show them the inside of a sefer Torah? How far do we go in accommodating our fine neighbors? So here we have, again, so here we have a quote from, I, I, this I addressed a number of years ago in the Sefer Nesivim Bisteh HaShlechus, it's available if you want to buy it. It's available in shops. Um, this is volume uh, volume two, a whole, it's a whole discussion about opening a sevatore for going to sea. And you can see here from the captions that there's a story with Chizkiyoh Melech So when Sancherev sends messengers to Chizkiyahu, and then he showed them all his treasures. It says, "Vayarehu gave them a tour of all the, of the treasure, the treasures of the of the kingdom. And one of the things which is Chazal say he showed them the sefer and the Luchus in the Oren. And he was punished for this. Now, as you may remember, that Chizkiyahu didn't want to, he when when rebukes him. And tells him you're going to die prematurely because you haven't gotten married, don't, and you haven't started a family. So Chizkiyahu said to to the Novi, he says, that's because I foresee that my son will be a a a, 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 a roshah promoting a So the response of the Novi of Yeshayahu to him is it's not your business to be dabbling in this in the hidden things of hashem hashem has got his khashbanes the way he runs the world you have to do your thing and uh, what hashem's plans are is it's, it's not not your business so there is this loshen why are you dabbling in the secrets of of hashem but there's another Angle to this quote of Bahadai the Rachmano, that is that the to put the Sefer and the Orin in the Kodesh Hakadoshim, and you exposed it. Who to asked you to take the hidden things of Hashem and expose it to the Umezalim? So that's another and like as if one was the punish, punishment for the other. At any anyway, rate, this is a quote. What well, you, the second quote on the screen, is actually quoted in the article in the Simshin Ashluches is from the Sefer Chassidim, and he writes the following. Ein manichim One would not accommodate a goy who wishes to see a dead b- b- body inside the grave, whatever the circumstances are. And then he writes the following. There was once, this, this is the Sefer hasidim's interesting style of anecdote stories. There was once a goyesha minister, who asked the Yidin to open up the Orin? he wants to see the Sefer Torah and there was an elder person there and he said "Al tiftuchu, don't open it, don't show him because this was Chizkiyo's sin that he showed that he exposed the Orin to the ministers of Melech Baddow. so this is obviously on the level of, Mishnas, of, of Sefer Hasidim but there is certainly a reluctance to open up a or in Kodesh, and certainly to open up a Sifat to show the Um Some will state that this is talking about uh, taking out the luchis from the Orin. The other argument is that but this is the most sacred article which we have. So we are exposing the most sacred thing which we have. So there is certainly a reluctance here. And um, if possible, one should avoid it. Certainly, say open, open the Sifatayra. But even to open the Orin, one could uh, nowadays. I'm sure we can find other ways of doing so. For example, if you're doing a, uh, how do you say, a slideshow, video show afterwards, way four, you can show pictures of what's going on inside without having to actually open physically to open the Orin and come and show the curtain. This is what it is, and uh, we're not going to open it because it's so sacred. Okay. So if someone is asking, do we not march regularly by HaKnosah Sefer Yes, and that's, of course, that's a Chiddush. And so that's when there's a special celebration. So probably you have the idea of Simcha Seir Shatnish. There's a special protection with intense Simcha that we don't have to worry about uh, exposure. But actually in the article there, I've mentioned that there used to be a custom that when there was a royal visit to the Jewish street, to the ghetto, so then they would come out, the Yidin would come out and greet the king with the Sif- Sifre Teure, with the crowns on the Sifre Teure, the whole story of Purim Saragossa, because there used to be, a. sometimes they would actually to just take out the empty cases and go out and the empty cases. And then someone mastered to the king and said that they are bringing out empty cases. And he was coming to a visit, for a visit to the Jewish street the following day. And the Shamus or the rov, whoever had a dream, that they should not, this time they should make sure they come out with the with this Sifrit Torah uh, and don't take the scrolls out. And indeed that next morning when the king came, he asked them to open. And had, he, had they not had this dream, that would have been a Khil lasher. Yeah, so they, 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 it looks like when there was a need, it was done. But um, it's something which is done with a bit of reluctance. So if it's not necessary, you can avoid it. Let's move on. So that was, so we're now on to a question number five. And that is someone's asking me about, to make, to address about the candles lit, and, lit in front of the Omer, two candles, five candles. So it's just written as you can see here at the top of the screen, there's a mini to light can lamps, lanterns, in shul to honor. Because I've been to some Svadija shuls and they've got just lanterns. It's, you know, they're shul across the street. We have a, Yem, a Yem Adani shul. We've got about 15 lanterns hanging, just uh, not because they need light, just, just for covert. So in Ashkenazi shuls, we don't see so much, the idea of just lanterns just for like covered, other than some shuls have an air tomit, and that's not necessarily from Minichabad, although we have one in Stamford Hill. Then uh, the idea of lighting candles before the Omnid. So that's where it's kind of remained. These are the candles which we light to How many candles to light? So as you see here on the screen, we have here from Pisgah Tshuves, uh, it's Simon Kuf Nun Alef. If you've got the sheet, it says Kuf Nun Dal, my mistake. So here you have that, the shiniver Tzaddik, He's a son of the, the Tzanzarov, I think the oldest son. So he would have on the weekdays two candles, Roshchodesh three, and Shabbos four candles. The Gmunkatsheh would have always four candles, and others, many Polish rituals you see, is, it's four candles. The Minachabad, So we, here we see the idea of having two candles, we can see in other circles also. But then we have the idea of having five candles, the earliest source for this in Chabad at least, is from the Rebbe Rasha. And that's what we see here on the, this is a quote from Sefer HaMenn-Hogim, that during the 11 month where Yo'awel is davening at the Omid, he would say, they would have five candles at the Omid. And similarly, a person who's davening the Omid for your side would have five candles. And that's corresponding to the five levels of the Neshama, Nefesh Yoch Nechshama chayah, Yechida. What is interesting that the Rebbe and now it's almost Yuteskis slave. The first time I had the school to see the Rebbe was the night of Yuteskis slave. That was before my bar mitzvah. And the Rebbe would say Kaddish. So the first time I saw the Rebbe was, he was saying Kaddish in the corner of the shul upstairs, the corner as in on the right, not where near the door, where the Rebbe would come in for Kriya Satayra and the weekdays but it was in the far right, Mizrach Dorim, uh, and the Rebbe was saying Kaddish. There was about, th- about, I don't know, approximately 10 days in the year when the Rebbe would say Kaddish, perhaps 13 days in the year he said Kaddish. And apparently the days when the Rebbe said Kaddish, he asked that there should also be five candles at the Yomit. So if there wasn't a Khir, and the then someone else was downing would have normally with two candles, but this is I heard in the name of Rabbi Grona and also in the name of Rabbi Meir Halech, that the devil would want five candles at the Ahmed whenever there's a chi who's saying Kaddish, even though he's not actually the Chasan that on that occasion. Let's move on, and that is question number six. So, question which no one asked me. This one's my own question. what, what is the priority if you have there is lechadchila? You should light Menorah shortly. Our is to light it. Shortly after sunset, other circles they wait till after Nacht. But it says Mishatishka Achamo, and there's a whole discussion. Mishatishka Achamo doesn't mean the beginning of the Shia or the end of the Shia, but maybe as it. May, but we like Menorah. The Gemara, that how long can you violate the Menorah? That's when there's this, these people, this sub nation of the Talmudoi would go around selling wood. And about half an hour after after nightfall or after sunset, after that it's, it was considered too late. So lechatchila we try to light within that uh, earlier within that time shortly after sunset. Now what's the story if the husband let's say can come home and light on time, but his wife has got a job and she's supporting the family, and she can only get home at 5:30, 6 o'clock. Should he light the menorah on his own without her? And then she'll come home and see her put out minora. She's right, so she wants to light again, she can do it again. Is that a good idea? Or is it better that she should that he should wait for her? Light the menorah late and then and and wait for his wife to come. So my feeling about this now, I'm not I'm not gonna say that's how I did when I was in this position myself 39 years ago, but but we understand now, a few more white hairs since then, that you have the Rambam, it says, if you have a dilemma, you have only one candle and either use it for Shabbos candles or Chanukah candles. So he says you should give priority to Nei ne- Shabbos because the idea of Shalom Bay is, is more important than Pishon And then he brings how in the case that the Hashem would allow his name to be erased. To be written and erased in order to bring about harmony between husband and husband, wife, and the mission of the Torah is to bring shalom to the world. And therefore, that we had we learned recently a Sikha of the Rebbe discussing this ramam at length. But the idea of shalom bayis is more important than Pishomani. So and therefore, if there's a question of compromising on your Hid or mitzvah on Ner Hanukkah, in order to make sure that your wife isn't upset, even if she doesn't say so, so, ner, ner, so then it's Correct to to, uh, to uh, compromise in their hanukkah in order to increase in shalom bias. In addition to this, we have that there are more in simantov ein reish base or tof reish ein Base, You'll see in a moment why it was a difference. Mm-hmm. Yes, Imrim, uh, those who say that nowadays that we light indoors Ein mm-hmm. tzorech The whole time frame of waiting no, don't light too late is not relevant nowadays. Because we're lighting indoors in any case. One should try to be careful, but it's it's not so such a big deal if you're going to delay. So if someone would ask me this question, I'd tell them to, to, to wait until the wife comes home in, in order to enhance cholin bias. Now, as I just mentioned, the simon is tough reish iron base it's operation i can be read you should be start you should be hungry raw is hungry Tirav, you'll be hungry and this is the question you're hanging around till your wife comes home are you allowed to eat any, any supper and before she comes home And um, you're going to be hungry so uh, that that's going to be a problem yeah so that they the in the shukhanoruk it's written tough iron rage base which means tara should be gishmak should be pleasant but uh, instead of Ti, you should be hungry. So here's the, the practical question: should uh, if the, he is waiting an hour, an hour and a half, is he allowed to uh, have supper whilst he's waiting? So here, again, this is from Naive Be's volume base. This is a, a more uh, extreme case, someone who's traveling during Hanukkah. It was the question Was someone's travelling to Manchester by the time they get back, is he allowed to eat before near Hanukkah? which is going to be from london to Man- manchester to london whatever whichever way it's about a four hour journey um approximately so normally you're not allowed to eat before you're have allowed to have a you have to have a little bit uh, nibble less than a cabello less than um well twice a kazai's yeah uh, other foods you can have other foods that's okay but if but if it's mesoinis so how might see you should uh, you should abs- um, rem- um, how do you say abstain from having less than a cabello in in one uh, moment in one go. If you can't manage, if it's really uh, then you can you can eat normally because you are uh, you're going to light when you get home and you're not in a position to light now because you're in the middle of driving and from air uh, from Manchester to London etc. So back to the fellow who's waiting for his wife so. He wouldn't be able to have, to have proper supper. could have a bit of coffee and a cup of soap, some biscuits, that, yes, a little nibble, that would be okay. But not to have a proper meal. So, he'll, yes, you'll have to be patient on that. So, a you know, bit of a bit of a serious nefesh. Okay. Someone is pointing out here, on for a yurt side, on Shabbos, we use five yortside candles. Surely it is ignorance that some light yortside candles on a weekday. You mean by lighting five candles, it could be. But uh, I know in 770 they had five candles, five Yorzef candles. So it could be it's just the Harkova. I don't know. Right. Let's move on. So in this country and in many um, Western well, countries, the government encourage you to Give a give charity, and they tell you that if you give X amount of money, and they will give back the tax to where you gave the uh, donation. There's very systems in France. They have one system in America, another system. But the principle is the same: that the that the tax comes back. All right. So we've got these little systems here, where you have vouchers, and you you put in X amount of money, and then you will be able to distribute a little bit more because of your tax return. So someone's on this system and they wanted to type in the online donation of 80 pounds and they pressed another zero, so they pressed 800 pounds. So they've put 800 pounds in the, uh, you can't get your money back once you put it in, there's no, no one to talk to. So now they ask, okay, I can manage that, but can I put this mice, could they, this? it was 80 pounds mice for the past month. Could I put the other 720, the extra, could I put it on credit? Can I have credit with mice? Basically, that's the question. Can I, this was a mistake, what happens if someone comes to me and I have a, someone who I feel very st- strong sympathy for, I don't have enough mice money now, I'd like to give them more. Can I give them mice on account of earnings in the future? So basically, the answer is yes. Uh, let's, let's deal with that, That uh, kind of give mice in advance. So this is from... Again, one of my favorites for him on Tzedakah, Tzedakah Mishpot, And he writes, after you've made your chershpon of Maiser, it's advisable to have a special wallet where you'd put your miser money. Personally, I have a separate bank account. And so the miser goes into that bank account. And so you put your miser money aside, even though you don't have clients to whom to give it right now. So you'll have this as your budget. Your miser is your... People are, are often get confused with meiser and tzedakah. Your, meiser, your your meiser is your budget for giving tzedakah. So you have a, your account or your wallet, you put your meiser there. Now, if you've given... It says, if you've given over tzedakah al-chechbin al if, let's say, after six months or after a month, whatever, you make your of of meiser and you realize, wait a minute, I have, I've already given beyond the cheshbin, I gave already this one, I get 20 pounds, 50 pounds, Deva. So then it comes at the end of the month. You say, okay, I should be putting aside 150 pounds for Meister. But they already gave five, 50 pounds for docker And so, all right, so now instead of putting aside 150, I put aside 100 pounds, etc. And if you actually given, that he writes for this was relevant to us. If you actually, turns out you've given more than you should be putting down in the, in the Meister account. So then you can deduct this from the miser for the Tkufa Haboah for the future. So it's okay to put aside money. Sorry, it's okay to contribute money to Tzdoka on the Cheshbun, on the account, for future Maiseh. That's legitimate. In this case, it was a mistake. They put the money into this charity account. Probably, probably it is retrievable. But instead of going through the whole thing, and if you get if you put by mistake money into stocker. if it was a real mistake, as far as I remember, you are allowed to take it back. So here, it's not a question that you're not allowed to take it back, but it's it's simpler. Just okay, we'll dedicate it for future miser. And so I felt that's that is legitimate. Right. Um, Let's move on. So here's a question. Question number nine and this is that a Jewish fellow is a locksmith and he works for a non-Jewish firm and last week he was given a job to go at this and this address to fix a lock and he did the job then he it actually turned out to be a church he didn't ask the question he was allowed to do the job he did the job and now he's asking he was paid Probably he's paid not just a salary, but paid, or perhaps not a salary, just paid for the jobs which he does, and now he's got received payment for fixing the door of a church. Is he allowed to keep the money? Should he give it? But He's is asking the question after the fact. This is his question. So looking in Shukhnoroch in Yeridaya in the Dunim Zara. so he writes: We have the halacha. It's actually a mission in Avedo Zara. Also, live noisy goyim kipo. Shemamidim bo One should not be joining in with goyim in building the dome, which is over the the idol. So the way it's described in the Mishnah, he's he's, he's uh, he does join in the building of the overall hall. But when it comes to the dome, which is celebrating, in other words, the building is to accommodate people. The dome is to celebrate the idol so he, it's okay for him to do the building overall but not the 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 dome over the idol that's where he should withdraw and say i can't have to join in with this then it goes further in clearly if he did build it and even if he actually made a an idol itself he's allowed to keep the money he allowed got to use the money and he goes further is allowed to build the in the hall, or the chotzer where there is the dome. So the rest of the premises he's allowed to build, but the dome he shouldn't be building. But he says, even if he did build the dome, so then the he's allowed to, the wages as well. So the understanding here is that Abedazorah itself is also But the wage which he gets from being paid for doing something for Abedazorah, that's a little bit indirect. And therefore, he is allowed to keep that money. So that's what we see very clear. He's allowed to keep the money. Is he allowed, to, if he would ask the question, is he allowed to fix the door? The chayre, what we're seeing here, is allowed to build the hall, the chotzer. So the chayre should be allowed to fix the door also if he was asking the question. Although my first reaction was that he should turn down the job, but um, possibly that would be also allowed. Right. Let's go on. So here, someone asks me a question. This is not a question. It's more uh, um, you know, on the Siddur, why we have, in the second Baracha, we say ruach Oh, I missed out something. I missed out the question about avocados. I'm getting this quite a bit, that people are making online orders with Tesco or other supermarkets and make an order and then there's a delivery of avocados from Etzisrael or peppers from Etzisrael. So actually I made a mistake when someone asked me about peppers and I thought that by by now it's for sure that they're not from, from Schmitter because for for vegetables, the switchover is already from Rosh Hashanah. So I was sceptical whether you could get peppers now, which are harvested before Rosh Hashanah. But I saw in various uh, media that it's only after Hanukkah or something I saw in one place, said Yud Kislev. So, oh, so now it's already past Yudkislev. Kislev. So, uh, so with, with vegetables, one has to check, check whether that vegetable could still be from before Rosh Hashanah. With the avocados, so then the the, the the problem here is a different problem, not a question of schmitter, because if it's just schmitter, you can eat them and just be careful with the peels, not to throw them away, because there may be some edible re- remnant on the on the peels. So you leave the peels in a bag, leave it till rod, etc. The problem which I did not manage to find um on, on you know online or anything is about Orla, and that's not only for the, the year of Schmitter, it's every year. The kind of fruit, Orla doesn't apply to vegetables, it applies to fruit. The kind of fruit which is, goes through a lot, a lot of replanting, then every, every time it's replanted, unless it's done with proper supervision, it means it Orla has to start again. So let's say grapes. Grapes, there's a lot of replanting going on with grapes. So if you'd bring me grapes from Etisro and you ask me to take Truma meiser, I'd say I can do that. But I have a bigger problem, and that is Orlok. The grapes are a tender, is a tender, uh, a tender tree of sorts, and there's a lot of replanting. And if it's not done with the Hajgakha, so then when they take from a nursery, you take a sapling and start a, and replant it, then you'd have to um, count three years of orlo. And the problem here is, that in Eretz the non-Frum farmer cannot sell his orlo grapes because, uh, well, certainly not in the Frum market. So that's so. therefore, what he simply does is instead of throwing it in the bin, he'll send it for export. What that means is that if, let's say, there's a particular fruit which is 3%, the statistics are 3% at Orla, well, actually, for the export, the oil is gonna be a much higher proportion. And therefore, this is this anxiety, and I don't have enough data, but there is this anxiety that stuff which does have a significant proportion of oil then we would uh, not be able to eat it at all. And so the person asked me, what should they do with these avocados? Eat them, give them to a goy, or throw them in the bin. So if they are not oil then the avocados are from Schmitter. If it's Schmitter, you can't give them to a going. You can't throw them in the bin. If it's Orla, you can't eat them. So we don't know exactly. Is it Orla and Schmitter? We don't know. So therefore, the only thing I could say is don't do any of those three. Just hold on to it until or oh, hold on to those avocados. You can't give them back to the shop either. So just hold on to them and uh, and wait till they become inedible and then you'll throw them out. You keep them outside in the shelf on on the on the on how do you say on a, a windowsill outside, and leave them there and nature will talk, take care of them. That's all I can say about it. Um, of course, we have, we have a, someone's putting here a there's a um, connect a connect uh, how do you say a link that in kosher dot org it says peppers till the end of March, an avocado of twenty three avocados middle of July I saw this I'm not I, I find it very strange why should it be all the way till 20, till March which is Pesach time almost How, what does it mean these peppers are uh were are kept in in cold storage from before Rosh Hashanah until March I find it difficult to believe but you know they know what they're talking about okay thank you and you're seeing there that. It's, Wait a second, you're saying they're avocados, but they're, here I have another problem with this list, which again, I don't have data. They're saying that after July, you are able to eat avocados, so they're not worried about orlo They're only worried about Shemitah. And some people who are into Kashras have told me that there is, there is a high incident, a significant incident of, of orlo with avocados, that we shouldn't be using avocados without a hersha. So I don't know what to answer. I did I did try um, to do some research and didn't get it very far. OK, let's move on to question number 11. But thank you for that link. Um, oh, it's a direct message. So. That's the uh, link is from www.kosher.org.uk slash Shem dates. OK, thank you. Let's go on to our last question for on our list for tonight. Thank you. Um, why is it in Davning in the second bracha we say ruach Geshem? And in the ninth bracha, we say the Saint Alumata. What's the difference between Geshem and Mata? We translate both of them as rain. So why is there a change of the word in between one and the other? For those who didn't realize, we've switched to the Saint Alla yes, but about a week ago, we've switched to Saint Allah that was from the 5th of December, I think. Right, so we have here two sources which address this. One is the Arocha Shulchan, and the other one is the Malbim. So let's first read Arocha Shulchan. This is in Simon Kufyodala, where he talks about the switch over of Total and And he says, I have a question. Why is it Bahaskorah? In the second bracha, it's Haskorah, we're not asking for rain, we're mentioning, we're praising Hashem, that Hashem provides rain, and there we use the word Geshem. On in the ninth Baruchah, where we're asking, the same, there we use the word motta. So he writes the following, Geshem is when it comes down from heaven, which is, it is above and it comes down from heaven, as it says, in Yemolu Ha'ovim Geshem, if the clouds will be filled with rain, with Geshem. And also, by the Mabul, by the flood, it says, why well, you call it, Ha'geshem Minashemoi. So he, he seems to be understanding that the Geshem is from a higher level physically in heaven. Whereas the motor is associated close to, from clouds close to the earth. As we have the words, Metar artsem, Somochel Oretz. We have a motor, so the impression is that it's closer to the earth, and he sees the association of motor with Eretz in several psukim. And then he quotes this posuk, which we have down here from Triosor, V'geshem, no, no, sorry, it's a different posuk, V'geshem motor, V'geshem mitres uzay, that you have the combination of geshem and motor, that first, it's Geshem, it's higher up, and then it comes closer to the ground and then it comes to becomes motor. So sometimes there are exceptions, but anyway, that's what he's saying. And therefore, when we're talking about praise, we're talking about gishomim, there we talk about is Geshomim, there we use the word Geshem, which is the rain higher up. And by Shiloh, when we're asking about the rain, when we're asking for the rain to come down to the earth, there we use the motor. The motor is describing the rain as it's closer to the um, to the earth, so that's the that's the uh, um, shulchan the malbim as we know one of his specialities is dealing with synonyms. In the malbim on chumash, he has in the introduction to the volume of va'yikra, he's got a whole a whole uh, sefer. Small safer, well, quite a, good, a significant safer called Ayelas Hashachar. And there he's dealing with synonyms. In Hebrew, the word for synonym is Shemus Nirdaphim. So here the Malbim writes there's a difference between Geshem and Motor. Geshem is natural, which comes from the vapor coming from the earth, coming up from the earth. And Motor is Hahash it is coming from heaven. I really and it seems to be just the opposite of what the Arocha Shukhan said because Arocha Shukhan said Geshem is higher up and Motor is closer to the earth. And here he's saying the other way around that Geshem is actually born from evaporation and Motor is coming from uh, from heaven. Higher I don't really have a very clear answer. I did look around in. I did not find a, a, this, this uh, how do you say, this, the synonyms of motto, I didn't see it being addressed at all. We have another couple of minutes. I'd just like to share with you something which came up over Shabbos. And that is that in Yismach Moshe on Shabbos morning, so we have Yismach Moshe bemach chelkoi, and it says. He brought down two stone luchos, two tablets of stone, and he had them in his hand, in, in which they were written Shemias Shabbos. So the questioner asked me, why does it say in his hand? I would have assumed that he held it in both hands. And elsewhere in the Torah, in the Torah sometimes it talks about Moshe holding the luchos in his hands. So I did a bit of homework and I saw actually at least three places in the Torah, it has that Luchois Bijodoi. Byodoi or Moshe, in the singular. It does come up a couple of times in, in that he was in the sing in the single form. So on the Pasuk, in both in the Lekachtoiv and the Ibn Ezra, they address this. What's the singular? And they say it means birshusoi that he had them with it says means he had them with him and it does not necessarily mean he held them in the one hand as we have we have the word can mean in your ownership and this might fit with uh, with the context over here Moshe Rabbein receives the Torah and it was given to his ownership so to speak or trusteeship and then he shared it with us but uh, then I saw, there's a pirush on the cedar called from Rabbi Huda Yochor. So he, add, he says that whilst the luchus had the writing on them, so the writing helped, uh, lifted the luchus, it made it lighter. Like we have the idea that the Oroin was able to carry its bearers. So, so similarly, the, the luchus, when the writing is on the luchus, the luchus were light. And Moshe Rabbein was able to hold the Luchas with one hand. So he says it's a deal, the with just in the single hand. When the Eden had sinned, and then the way it's described in the Gemara, that the writing, this, the, the engraved letters disappeared, and then all of a sudden the Luchas are just solid tablets, then they became so heavy. Then they became. He had to hold them with two hands, and they were too heavy for him to hold in two hands. And then he casts them, and he breaks the loches. So the way uh, Riba Yoker is saying that the yodoy is when they were intact, and then he was actually able, able to hold them both in one hand, which is remarkable because they were they were six by six tochem, which means uh, quite large. To be able to hold them in one hand is uh, just physically. Uh, even no, not talking about the weight, just the shape is quite very large. What other thing? Which which, 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 since I was looking at this, I was thinking, which luchos are we talking about? Is this the first luchos or the second luchos? And what struck me is it. It's written on the luchos. shmira's Shabbos. Now in the Asher adibras as it's recorded in Parashas Yisroy, it says in Pashas Vashan, and it says Shomash Yema the Lakad So, which one was written on the Luchus? The Ramban says it was written Zocher, and Shomer was kind of the Toyoshe Balpe, and Moshe Rabbein told the Yid he told them also Shomer. But how does he explain what it says here in the Teloshan Hatfilov, which seems to imply that the word Shomer was literally written on the Luchas? So, I don't know the answer to that. I'm also intrigued that. On Shabbos we have various themes, and there is the Shabbos as in the negative, not to do melacha, and there's a Shabbos to focus on the oneness of Hashem. The night Shabbos is more negating; you're going, you're stepping away from the mundane, for and the mundane activities. The day Shabbos is more the focus on the the positive side of Shabbos, the unity of Hashem. That's why in Lachododi, when it says Shomer be dibur echod, it's not just Shomer comes before Zocher to be able to make the acronym for Shalom HaLevi, Shalom Alkabetz, but it's also because by night the emphasis is more Shomer more than Zocher. But if that if that whole Mahalik is correct, why in Shemonesh of Shabbos day, why is there the emphasis on Shemitas Shabbos? Why not Zechiras HaShabbos? And when it comes to Kiddush, we we do say Zohar Sehema Shabbos. So that seems to be the theme, Shabbos uh, day by daytime, time, seems to be emphasis on Zohar, and yet here in the Nusr Hatfila, there is the emphasis on Shmiras Shabbos. So um, what I, I did, I did see someone saying that between Shomer and Zohar, even if you're not on the level of Zohar Sehema but at least Shomer is more basic, but it still doesn't really answer why the emphasis here in Shabbos Shachris on the union of uh, of um, I just want to finish. Finish up. We have another couple of minutes. A thing which I've written years ago, and that is that when we lift the cost for Kiddush, so it says in in Gemara, Kos Shabrocha it should be lifted a Tefach, and this wasn't also Kos Shabrocha should be lifted a Tefach. And yet, there is, in the Zohar, there's a source of it being lifted to Zeres, which is three Tvachim. And there's a horror in the back of the Tilim. In the Chabad Tilim, there's a long Hora, beautiful Hora of the Rebbe. I don't want to go into the whole detail. Talking about the three Tvachim, vis a the one Tefach. Perhaps we discussed it once. So, my own theory is that, interesting, that in the, there's a Din of Kinyan. And one of the ways of acquiring something is doing hakbo, And... Some places, some poskim say Hagboi is one tefach. Some poskim say Hagboi is three tefachim. So the way Rashi learns, if I'm not mistaken, he says Hagboi is three tefachim. Why three tefachim? Because until three tefachim distance, it's still lavud. A gap of less than three tefachim is considered a closed gap. So you have to lift up the, te- the article three tefachim in order to it's not attached to its where it was before. Tosfos says it's enough um, hagboy as a tefach. It's Hagboi is a statement to say my statement. This is yours. So, I had this theory that the, the uh, lifting of the cup is reflecting these two minhogim of one tefach or three tvachim. It depends on what you're trying to make. Is it, are you trying to make a, a positive statement? So, then say, if you want to negate, it's not connected to before, then, then you should be lifting the cup for Friday night, you make Kiddush. So, we are noyak to do Kiddush standing. So if you're standing, typically your cost is going to be three trochim away from the table, up, up from the table. Shabbos day, we saw the Rebbe uh, by the Fabrengen. What he did in private is another thing, but you don't have to lift it at um, three trochim. If you're sitting, you don't. No one lifts the, te- the cup three trochim from the table, as far as I've seen. So by day, it's lifting a tefach. Friday night, it's the union of, of of negating, as I said before, it's negating your most the molacha. And for Friday night, you need to have three for him, like the Akinia boy is it's not loved, it's not connected to the weekday. So, Friday night, you live there's got cost three to Shabbos by day, where it's a more a state a positive statement, and you know, of, of uh, the Achtus of Hashem of Zohar, therefore, it's enough to lift it at Tefach. All right, but that just comes back. So, why then in Shemon do we have the emphasis on, um, on, on on Shomer? So, I don't have the answer, all right. so... Um, I think I'll still be able to fall to sleep tonight. Um, someone's asking, why in Meiriv do we say Zeichel I'm and, not, and we're not in Shachris? So there's well known that the uh, the, 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 three, the three themes of Shabbos, you've got Zeichel Amasa Barashas, Zeichel Yitzhidas Mitzrayim and and then Yomosa Moshiach. And so the emphasis by night is Zeichel Amasa so that's why we say Aychulu, it's a passage by Amasa by day, Shabbos shacharis. We don't say Zechel Masabrashis because there the emphasis is on Yitzh and Matan Torah. That's why it's also in Kiddush and also Shabbos where we are echoing Matan Torah. That's the emphasis Shabbos by day is the angel of Zechel Amasa Torah, and then Shabbos Mincha, which is got to do with the Remes for Mosha Moshiach. We can't say, as, we don't say Zechel we don't say Yitzh at all because we'll celebrate when Moshiach is here so, we don't say Yismachu at all. Question remains with what about Musaf? Uh, the, the only thing which I can answer is I don't have a, a proper answer, but in, in Nusach Ashkenaz, they don't say Yismachu at Maidev Noah Shachar, it's only at Musaf. So, you Yumusuf, the original Yismachu with the full text is kept at Musaf, but uh, it's not an adequate answer either. So, all right, best Hashem one day. Meanwhile, I wish you a good and be well, and we should meet in, in good health. And Simchas Olam al Roshon with Moshiach Mashiach will solve all these questions. One time, um, Rabbi Gutnik was with the Rebbe and he asked the Rebbe something and he said, about something about Mashiach coming on Shabbos, Mashiach will answer the question. So Rabbi Gutnik says, But I thought he said, Yohanov is going to answer all the questions. So the Rebbe answered, Mashiach will answer that question also. Agutavach.